going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Around the Rotunda podcast. My name is Austin Deer, and I am here once again with my co-host, Hunter Simons. And we are uh, happy to be joined by, uh, once again, Sean Crow. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, man. Can't complain. I'm almost through the work week and really pumped up for a night game in Charlottesville. Uh, Going to be, you know, hitting the tailgating early and uh, you know, it should be a great day ahead of us. So really looking forward to it. Doing well. Uh, thanks for having me back on for time number two. Definitely uh, good to join after a, a game that was as fun as this past week. I'm 50-50 if I'll be able to make it to the Georgia Tech game, but I'm hoping I can. So hope to join you all there. We're hoping that you're going to be able to join us as well, Sean. But uh, regardless, we're definitely happy to have you to uh, provide a little insight with us on to uh, – you know, the upcoming game against Georgia Tech. And, uh, you know, it was really what is considered a, I think, a pivotal game in the season um, for Virginia. And almost, you know, we've been saying week after week, like this is a must win, this is a must win. But in all reality, this game is really, I think, a a huge must win for Virginia because I think this for this game alone, it's going to propel us back into the coastal conversation, which I think people are a little bit hesitant to do right now. Uh, But especially with Pitt playing Clemson this week, if for some reason they lose to Clemson, we're right there in the picture, and we pretty much control our own destiny at this point. At that point, um, so this game against Georgia Tech under the lights in Scott Stadium, um, primetime football. I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, especially perfect fall weather doesn't get much better than that, does it? Yeah, man. Pretty much all you can ask for. It's it's perfect football weather. Um, you know, it looks like it's going to be a little bit cooler over this weekend. Uh, hopefully I don't think there's any rain in the forecast, thankfully. So uh, won't have to bring a poncho this time. Although I really wish I had one last time. Uh, (laughs) Hunter, I think you and I left the, uh, left the stadium pretty soaked. after. Yeah. (laughs) I will say I ended up leaving the stadium with a pretty cool sweater. I didn't come in with, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'm happy to have made the purchase. So uh, yeah, definitely. uh, But wish I came a little bit more prepared, had the rain jackets. They were in the trunk when I left the tailgate. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw in the forecast there was no rain in sight for the rest of the day. So uh, kind of tricked us a little bit. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. Stayed through the game. Never left the seat. So I can't – I know not everyone can say that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I will say, though, I was fairly impressed with the amount of people that actually stayed yeah. uh, for the game. So for that aspect, good job on, on the UVA fans that came to the game. For the most part, a lot of a good amount of you stayed. So good, good on you all for that. Um. So go ahead. Let's go ahead and jump right in uh, to uh, talking about the Duke game. This is probably what I would consider Virginia's most dominating performance of the season. Um, you know, it was one thing when we shut out William and Mary. It was a great start to the year. But I understand this is Duke, but it's also you're also shutting out an ACC team. Um, and the offense was clicking on all cylinders. The defense was, you know, laying one hit after another, pressuring the quarterback. They stopped the run game. They did exactly what they needed to do. Um, Sean, what, when watching this game, what, what were some things that you kind of took away from this? Yeah, uh, so I was there as well. And first off, man, it was really nice to just kind of be able to relax and enjoy the game. After two weeks of waiting for missed field goals at the end, it, it really was nice. It, um, I, I felt like I could just totally enjoy the, the second quarter onwards. You know, it really never felt like the outcome was in doubt. So – in that respect, it was a really nice change of pace. But, yeah, um, all in all, a very well-rounded effort. Um, it was great to see Devin Darrington have a good game. Um, Brennan Armstrong thought was very efficient. It was nice kind of being able to get a little glimpse of the new generation of UVA football. So I, I was glad that we had such a comfortable lead that we could take him out and see some Jay Wolfolk there in the fourth quarter. I would have loved to see Jay Wolfolk get to throw the ball a little bit but definitely made sense with where the game was that they just had him running the ball um and then obviously a great game from wicks and kemp and woods and really all the receivers and tight ends um and then yeah on the defense i thought it was definitely the best defensive performance of the year so far obviously i know William and mary was a shutout as well but this was against power five level competition, even if Duke isn't the most potent offense. But um, I thought they did a really good combination of bend, don't break at times where they needed to, um, but executing that better than they have earlier in the year where it's 
all right, they're bending a little too much. Um, <laughs> yes. And then on top of that, they were opportunistic. Uh, really loved seeing all the, the takeaways that they had. Granted, the one at the end of the game was pretty much <laughs> handed right to us. Hey, let's, um, I mean, let's just take a moment. That literally sealed the shutout for us. I mean, I'm over here, like, the game's already 48 nothing, and, and uh, we, we hit the road a little bit earlier because uh, my friend's dad, it was uh, his wife's birthday. And we're, we're over here losing our crap in the car. It's already 48 nothing, but because they got a turnover at the goal line to, to keep the shutout alive is, I mean, absolutely electric performance from, uh, from the defense to just seal the way the, the entire game went. Yeah, you, you thought they'd get a little sympathy touchdown, and I wasn't going to be mad at 48-7 or anything, but to yes. preserve the shutout was a little a little sweet boost at the end there. For sure, for definitely sure. was nice. Absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say we uh we got the missed field goal out of the way in the first quarter. We didn't have to wait four <laughs> quarters this time for it, so that was so, kind of cool. I like that trend. Let's keep that rolling in the future. So, are we gonna go ahead and declare uh, University of Virginia as the uh, the best defensive field goal uh, team uh, in the country at this point? I mean, three missed field goals in in the last three weeks. We're up there, man. Pretty you impressive. Think back to. William and Mary game, like they, we blocked a field goal there. They missed one that honestly they probably should have made. Like, yeah, we have had incredible field goal luck this <laughs> season. I don't even want to be tested it anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, games we might have run out. Of, one, games yeah, are one on run special out of teams, and that's what we're that's what we're seeing here. Uh, but for those who didn't get to watch the game, just run down a couple uh, stats real quick. Uh, Brennan Armstrong had another career day, um, even without playing uh, in the fourth quarter, which I think is just as impressive. Um, he went 25 for 45, 364 yards, two touchdowns. And I think one thing that we haven't seen him do a whole lot this year that we got to see a little bit more of is Brennan Armstrong really ran the football a little bit this uh, this past week. I think his I think his knees starting to heal up, and I think we're really seeing some mobility uh, come out with him. So he added 34 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well, which that touchdown was incredibly impressive. And I want to give a shout out to Jelani Woods because that man had to make a split second decision and put up an incredible block in the end zone that allowed Brennan to score. So shout out to Jelani on that. Uh, for being a really good two-way tight end, um, mm-hmm. Devin Darrington, um, and this was it was honestly a really balanced rushing attack. Uh, but like Sean mentioned, uh, Devin Darrington was really the highlight of the show, um, who really got you know some significant work uh, later on in the game. He had five carries for sixty yards and a touchdown. I tell you guys, Devin Darrington it really uh, really has that explosive capability that um, you know I think we he's kind of just been waiting to let go of as soon as his opportunity came. He got his opportunity, and uh, he really took advantage of it here. I mean, do you think we could expect to see Devin maybe playing a little bit more going forward? Yeah, I think, he. you know, we've, we've definitely seen him out there a bit. Um, and a lot of, you know, it, there's like a couple of packages where they like to use him. And, you know, they really like that play with him where it's like the extended counter where like the quarterback will kind of take a couple steps in one direction and then the line will start moving the other way. And I kind of got tired of only seeing him run that play. So it was really nice to see him just use as like a future back. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be shocked to say, you know, if, if he wasn't given a couple more touches moving forward, um, especially with the fact we don't really know what Mike Holland's status will be week to week coming off of, you know, what looked like a pretty good ankle sprain against Louisville. So, you know, I, I like him as the one, two punch with Talapapa, a little bit more burst, a little bit more vision, a um, little bit more of a home run threat as well. So, um, I think we can definitely, you know, see him featured quite a bit more. He also was in there for a couple of plays blocking for others, like on Keaton Thompson's rushing touchdown. He was in there setting a lead block with Talapapa. So I like his versatility. Um, you know, I think we've got four really good running backs that, you know, could probably start on a lot of different teams across the country. And it's just finding out the best way to use them all and, you know, find the way to, you know, accentuate their strengths. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the Virginia ended up rushing for 164 yards uh, for, uh, on total for the day. So uh, I think I think definitely they had a really good balanced offensive attack this weekend. You know, obviously they ran the football a little bit more later on in the game with being up by so much. Uh, but, you know, that didn't really seem to matter to Dave Cutcliffe because he still thought we were running up the score. But we'll uh, we'll save that for another time. Um <laughs> Uh, so, as far as uh, the receiving attack goes, I thought it was pretty well balanced as it normally is. Uh, Wicks, Kemp, Woods, and uh, KT all got theirs. 
um, this week. A little, little bit of a quiet day from Sean Henry, but I think it just speaks to the depth in this uh, receiving group and uh, the amount of weapons that Brennan has that anybody can step up on any given day. Um, it was good to see Wicks come out and uh, and really have a, a big day, especially um, from that scary situation against Louisville. Um, so you know he really he really showed up, uh, had seven receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then Jelani Woods also added a touchdown on the day. Um, and then like uh, like Sean mentioned, Jay Wolfuck got some uh, got a quality drive in. Um, I know I know he, he got to show off a lot of his legs, but he did even throw a pretty what I thought was a pretty good ball in the end zone. Um, obviously, just very well defended on Duke's part, um, but a good back shoulder pass that uh, it was, was a pass interference. Couldn't yeah, have been that well defended. But you know what? That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I thought that honestly, I, I I really think we could have caught that ball if there if there wasn't the pass interference there. And, I, I, it was a perfectly thrown ball. Seriously, I mean, it, was, it looked so pretty. It was a. Uh, it, it was really good to see um, somebody as young and inexperienced that he as he is to throw a ball like that. And I think it, it's a real testament, especially when um, you have guys like Bronco and Robert and I uh, talking this week about how special that he's he's going to be in their program going forward. I mean, Bronco literally called him the successor to Brennan Armstrong. So. As, as as long as his development continues, I think we're going to be in pretty good hands even when Brennan is gone. Totally agree. I think uh, the natural comparison that you want to give is Russell Wilson coming from the, the Richmond prep school scene, being a dual sport athlete, football and baseball. Um, most people probably know, but Jay Wolfolk is also a pitcher on the UVA baseball team. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a lofty goal to set, but uh, definitely flash his athleticism. And like you just said, I'm very excited for the thought of him running this offense in the future. For sure. For sure. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, really, really standout day um, from from them, that whole that entire group, uh, two interceptions, one by Devontae Cross and uh, and uh, Joey Blunt. So it was good to see uh, them have them have a, something something memorable from this game. Um, you know, because I think both of them have kind of had up and down years, so it was good to kind of see this, them step up. Um, I think the big key to the game was uh, focusing on Mateo Durant. Um, now, obviously, Duke got down pretty heavily early, so they had to start throwing the football. But I thought even when uh, Durant got his opportunities, uh, what was one of the one of our keys to victory was containing him, and uh, they did just that, forcing keeping him to only 82 yards on 17 carries. So. He really didn't. Ha- he didn't have any explosive plays. Um, he they, UVA did a really good job up front by keeping him contained. I thought. Definitely agree, and I, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, Joey Blunt's favorite team to play against by far has got to be Duke. He's got at least three career interceptions against them, if not more. So, uh, it was cool to see him add to that tally again. And I, I don't know what it is about Duke and playing against Virginia, but they just love giving us the football. They don't want to hold it anymore. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I think in Broncos tenure. Uh, since he since he started at Virginia, since and every time facing Duke, I want to say Duke is averaging like three interceptions a game. Yeah, us. I think it's like something, some crazy stat. I'm just like, this is mind blowing. There was a, the Daniel Jones six interception game. I think Bryce Hall might have had two that day. Yeah, and then going back to last year, Chase Bryce, I definitely remember having a rough day. I kind of kind of felt bad for him, but <laughs> I think he threw something like four interceptions last year. Yeah, they yeah. definitely had seven turnovers last year. I remember that coming <laughs> to mind. So. Only getting four this year, you know. I felt like we could have stepped it up a little more. I can't believe it didn't get to five. <laughs> yeah, I know. Absolutely disappointing. <laughs> um, but like, like uh, you know, overall, really good, really good performance from the defense. Things seem to be really be trending in the right direction. So I'm hoping that they can build off of that uh, coming into uh, Georgia Tech. It's when, and it's, it should be interesting to see how they perform because uh, you know Georgia Tech. I would compare a lot to Louisville. Um, as far as their as far as their offense operates, um, you know their quarterback Jeff Sims is is a lot like Malik Cunningham, but now given I believe that Malik Cunningham is a much better thrower than uh, Jeff Sims is, but Sims has also improved uh, this year than he would um, as far as a passer goes than he was last year because I mean it was kind of one of those things last year where or the last two years where he was pretty much just a liability throwing the football. Um, being because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you know he was really kind of brought into this program to run the triple option, and um, so things have really kind of changed on on that aspect. I think was he was I think was, he was he was, was one he of the first or was he the first was he one of the first recruits to come 
Yeah, um, he, he was probably one of the good. first guys they got, like, with Jeff Collins that was, like, post-triple option era. But, I mean, he would probably it, ran it the It feels like he's been in the well. program for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he's been starting from the beginning. I think this is yeah. his second year. But, yeah, he's. I mean, he's definitely been uh, – you know, he's been their guy since he's gotten there. So there's been no doubt about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did. But, um, I did just want to give two quick shout outs actually to the defense as well um, from last week. Sorry. I know you're trying to turn the page, but no, I want to make sure I just gave a quick shout out to West Weeks and Jonas Sanker. Um, two first years that like definitely look to be part of the future. And, you know, mm-hmm. West Weeks was, I don't think he technically started, but he definitely played a majority of the snaps on the defensive side and, got to play with the first team and the second team. So I really like what I'm seeing from him so far. And I know we've started to get creative with using him in a couple more packages. And, you know, Sanker is one that I've been talking about since the preseason. People have definitely been talking about on Twitter. And you can see why. He's just got a really good presence about him and sort of reminds you of a Joey Blunt and even like Quinn Blanding type with the size. Um, but I think he's got a little bit more top-end speed. So, um, I'm excited to see how we use him in the future. It's good to see that we've got a little bit of depth back there in the secondary because I think we've all been a little worried with, you know, the woes that we've had in the secondary, like mm-hmm. not really seeing other guys getting chances. It's like, man, if, if our first team's looking this bad, I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on, in the, you know, in, in, in the back half of that room. But yeah, um, it's good to see, you know, guys like him getting to come in and make an impact in the limited snaps that they got to play. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, I mean, obviously a lot of highlights um, in this game. Uh, lastly, uh, the special teams was once again, fairly solid. Um, Brennan Farrell had another, had another perfect day and um, Jacob Finn uh, probably has best punting day of the year. Um, he got three opportunities and he averaged almost 52 yards a punt. Uh, so that's pretty impressive uh, given, especially given the weather conditions. Um, so uh, good on, good on special teams to continue to be a, uh, be a high point for this program. Uh, when, you know, literally not probably six years ago, we were questioning whether or not our, our kicker could make it uh, make an extra point. So, you know, things uh, things definitely trending up in the right direction. Shout out Mike London. <laughs> yeah, UConn wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't that long ago, was it? Um, co- a couple low points. I mean, and this isn't even like game related, just the rain. The rain sucked, really made that, really made it kind of miserable to stand out there. Um, and then the attendance was also bad again. Um, and I think what we can sort of maybe chalk it up to rain in the forecast, kind of, but still 36,000, not great, pretty Ooh. bad. Um, I'm really hoping that we'll see at least I'm, – I'm thinking that we could potentially get to 50 this weekend. I think. I think we can. Just based off what I saw today from on the Virginia Sports website, if yeah. we can manage to get to 50, I will be a very happy man. I, I, think, I think that could be trending in the right direction, especially when you have Notre Dame coming. Like, literally our next two home games are Notre Dame and, and Virginia Tech, two of the biggest games of the year. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe things are trending and that will trend in the right direction starting with Georgia Tech this weekend. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm, I think 45 to 50 or so is a, a good uh, target for Georgia Tech and then for the last two games, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, I'm expecting those to set the season marks. The only downside is it might be a high percentage of away fans at those games. But yeah, which the good thing, good th- the good thing is with the Virginia Tech game, um, I saw it in 2019. Uh, the the new changes in the in the availability for tickets has really made it hard for Virginia Tech fans to get their hands on them. Um, so I think that's definitely a, a plus. And, uh, and, you know, the, the way that things have changed ever since Carla got here. Now, obviously, there weren't any restrictions for Notre, for Notre Dame. So, I've, Notre Dame travels well. Their fans are all over the country. So, I have no doubt that they're probably going to have a quarter of the stadium filled, in my opinion. Um, but, obviously, I, I, regardless, this should be a really great football game to watch. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully UVA fans will show out, especially if, you know, Virginia has as good of a record as I'm expecting them to going into those games. Um so moving on from the Duke game, uh, before we get into Georgia Tech, I kind of saw, uh, you know an ongoing trend over the last week, and something that I kind of even asked Hunter about earlier on in the season was I noticed that the uh, the people that play, I guess, is it the wind instruments? Um, I'm sorry, I'm not too familiar with uh, with the band, well, with you know musical terms, but I believe it's the wind instruments. Um, have not been able to play 
their instruments when they get in, seated in the stands. Um, they have, they're allowed to play on the field. And I even noticed that there's like been pictures of the bands of like people like of them not wearing, like some of them not wearing masks uh, while they're in the stands. Um, if they're, you know, even if they're not in the wind, wind instruments. So what do y'all kind of make of this? I know this is a very controversial topic and whatnot, but I just kind of want to get y'all's opinion on kind of what you make of this. And I'm happy to see that a petition is finally going out, especially when the fact, the fact that there are multiple that like there are probably next to no schools across the country that are doing this. So like, what's what kind of statement is Virginia trying to make here? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't even want to get into like all the macro level stuff with it, but honestly, just that like, like, from a UVA standpoint, I, I do think it's like weird just being the only team in the entire ACC that's not doing it. Like, I don't really understand. And the science that's, you know, being included in the petition is like pretty clear about how like it's no more likely to spread the disease than just sitting there next to each other. Um, but, you know, the one thing that I would have questioned is, Hey, like, what was the decision of the band themselves? Like, did they not feel comfortable? Like, was there something that, like, you know, was causing them to feel deterred from playing? And from reading that petition and seeing that it was kind of started by, you know, it, it's being very well supported by the band, from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of leads me to think that it isn't really their decision at all. And, you know, knowing that, I feel more, like, impassioned to say, like, you know, I feel like they should be able to play. Um, obviously I want them to play like that. Yeah. I guarantee. I feel like it's such a huge part of the game day atmosphere and it's, it really is lacking. Like you definitely notice that it's not there. Um, but you know, the only thing that would have held me back from feeling super, like I said, impassioned about it would be if they, they themselves decided, Hey, we're not comfortable with this. We don't want to do this. But from all signs that I see, that's not the case at all. And I think, you know, hopefully Carla and whoever else is making these decisions um, is listening and hearing the fan support and, you know, and hearing the, the actual band members opinions um, and taking the, all of that into account. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's one thing for me, it's, it's, you know, all this, the entire student body is vaccinated and you're letting, you know, whoever into the stadium without really enforcing any sort of mass mandate. So my whole, it, if, if they wanted to be that strict about spreading COVID and whatnot, I don't understand why you're not enforcing that those same kind of restrictions across the stadium. That's where, that's where I, that's where I have the issue. It's like, if you want to, if you want to be cautious with COVID, yes, I get it. But at the same time, you have to be cautious with everything because regardless, there's still 36,000 people for like, for, as regards to last week, there's still 36,000 people packing into that stadium. It could yeah. spread from anywhere. It does feel like a weird thing to just single out to care about when they're perfectly happy making money on fans coming into the stadium that they have no evidence whatsoever are vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, and you have senior band members who are not getting opportunities to play in their final football, in their final football games. Yeah. So overall, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, if you guys haven't signed, if, you know, for anybody listening, if you haven't signed the petition, I definitely uh, encourage you to go and sign it. Um, you know, give these, give these kids the opportunity that they deserve, you know, our, uh, you know, our football team gets to play on the field every weekend. And, you know, these guys put a lot of time and practice in to make their performance special as well. So they deserve just as much as of an opportunity to, uh, you know, make, make UVA's game day experience uh, special. So, um, all right, so moving on from that, uh, thank you for thank you guys for touching on that a little bit. I just wanted to kind of – it's something that what came up this week and I thought was definitely worth us discussing. Um, mm -hmm. So moving on to Georgia Tech, um, so previewing kind of this game, uh, Virginia won our last meeting uh, back in 2019. We didn't play them in 2020, uh, so we won their last our last meeting back in 2019 at home. It was 33-28, to 28. very close football game, but uh, Bryce Perkins had a really good day. Um, Georgia Tech has actually not won in Scott Stadium since 2013. Um, so this has kind of been a, a rough place for them to come and uh, come and play. Sean, I know that they've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, kind of what are what do you think Georgia Tech is feeling coming into Scott Stadium this this week? Yeah, uh, Georgia Tech is for me maybe the hardest team in the ACC to like to really decide what they are. Like, are they, you know they're just very inconsistent. So it, 
they're a hard team for me to figure out. Um, and although they're running a traditional offense now, they do still run the ball a lot. So I feel like they haven't really gotten fully away from that running game yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is definitely a game that, that UVA should win, but that's not to say that Georgia Tech is not capable of winning. Uh, we saw what they did to UNC, a team that beat UVA pretty good. Uh, Georgia Tech beat very handily. So it's um it's not to say that they're not capable and they do need to be taken seriously, but um but yeah, I I would say that I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that this is <laughs> win number six to put us into bowl eligibility here. For sure. For sure. I'm feeling quite confident in myself, honestly, especially uh with the performance that we put up against Duke last week. And, you know, you mentioned that they had that big win against UNC, but they've also suffered losses to uh, Northern Illinois. And uh, I don't know who else they lost to. Um, they I mean, lost to Northern Clemson. Illinois. And they barely, so they barely lost to Clemson, which take that with a grain of salt, you know, whatever you want to, you know, say about how what Clemson is this year. But regardless, they went to Death Valley and kind of held their own for a little while. Um, and then they ended up getting blown out by Pittsburgh at home. Um, so like you said, kind of a uh, hard team to figure out. And then they literally, it literally took a last minute touchdown for them to beat Duke, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. So I, I don't know. It's th- this team, I feel like is kind of all over the place. They really haven't, you know, found an identity. And, you know, from, from what I could tell from George, Georgia Tech beat writers, it, it really seems like that they don't even know what this program is. Um, they don't, they don't really understand uh, how they can be so good one week and so bad the next. Um, so I, am hoping that maybe we, we, we get that, uh, get that bad team uh, coming into uh, Charlottesville, but I think yeah. it's pretty safe to say they're probably the most inconsistent team in all in the ACC this year. Um, probably next to like UNC maybe, but um, yeah. One but yeah, thing so- I did want to touch on there, Austin real quick was uh I do think their their offense has been highly inconsistent for sure, like that that and that's kind of like what we see in the scoreline. But I would say, sort of consistently, there in my opinion, their defense has not been very impressive to me. Like mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's that's one thing that's been kind of constant throughout the season. Obviously, they only they held Clemson only fourteen points, but like we sort of said, this is not the Clemson team we're used to. They've been struggling to score against anybody. DJU's only thrown four touchdowns this year when Brennan Armstrong's thrown 19. Like, you know, it's hard to really, like, put a whole lot of weight into that. But, you know, I was watching them play against Pittsburgh, and they gave up thir- they gave up 42 points by halftime. I mean, like – and that, that Pittsburgh's offense is incredibly similar to UVA's in, in the way they play. It's like air raid style. They barely run the ball. Lots of deep shots down the field. And they were just getting absolutely shredded in their own stadium. I mean, like mm-hmm. – I feel pretty confident against their defense. It's just which version of Jeff Sims are we going to get? That's really the question, in my opinion. Exactly, exactly. And you know, it's I mean, it's crazy because Jeff Sims has only thrown the ball eighty times this year. I mean, given uh, he didn't even start the season as the starting quarterback, which I think you mentioned it was due to injury, Hunter. Yeah, he he was banged up early in the season, but when he's been available to go, he's pretty much been in most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, so obviously, you know some people to kind of look out for, um, you know, obviously we just, just mentioned Jeff Sims. Um, he's very much a dual threat quarterback, kind of comparative to Malik Cunningham. He's like your poor man's Malik Cunningham, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's, he's very much run first, any opportunity that he can get to run. Um, I think that's his first instinct. I don't think he really wants to throw the football a whole lot. Um, he's 50 for 80 on the year, 791 yards, six touchdowns and four interceptions. So, you know, obviously he is a little bit turnover prone, just especially with a few amount of attempts that he's had. Um, and he's added 38 carries, 255 yards on the ground, and four touchdowns. So, like I said, you're going to get a lot off um, from the legs. Um, historically, he has been a below average passer, um, but one thing that they have talked about is he definitely has improved in that category this year. Um, so it's not something that you can completely rule out as a de- um, as a defense, but I think still putting putting emphasis on the run – um, is going to be a huge priority this week. Um, they also have a very balanced rushing attack um, with Jameer Gibbs as well, which is somebody that I think is kind of very underrated. Um, he has been kind of swallowed up at times and hasn't really put out big games. 
Um, but it seems like a lot of the Georgia Tech guys say that, you know, he's somebody that runs the football hard and, uh, you know, really fights for his yards. Um, he's got 77 attempts and 279 yards and a touchdown on the year. But one thing with him, too, is he's also been a huge threat out of the backfield receiving-wise. So that's one thing that, we've, uh, that we're have that we definitely going to need to pay a lot of attention to this week. Yeah, I would say Jameer Gibbs hasn't really quite lived up to the preseason expectation. He was voted, mm-hmm. like, preseason all-ACC running back. Uh, first team so I mean while he's probably a little underrated now I do think he's kind of underperforming expectations for sure but that being said you know it wouldn't be the first time that someone had been underperforming all season and then finally has a get right game against UVA (laughs) exactly exactly Um, but you know obviously I think I, I really do believe that our run defense has been a lot better over the last uh, last two weeks, um, so I think I think we're starting to get out on the edge a little bit more and being able to tackle better in open field. Um, just kind of what I've seen so far up to this point. Um, and then they also have another running back in Dante Smith, who's at 34 carries for 234 yards and three touchdowns. So a little bit balanced running attack. Could see a couple of different guys running the football. I'd be interested. I haven't watched a whole lot of Georgia Tech football this this year, so be interested to see kind of how they incorporate their running backs and quarterback if they run a little bit of option still or. Um, you know, be interesting to see. Um, but as far as uh, the rest of the offense goes, um, you know, like I think it's a lot. I think a lot is just going to come down to stopping the run. In, in my in my personal opinion, um, anything that you guys want to add on the offensive side of the ball for Georgia Tech? No, I think you. I think you pretty much covered it. <laughs> All right, perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> defensively, like Hunter mentioned, uh, I think this has been a very below average uh, team defensively. Uh, they did surrender 42 points to Pitt in the first half, um, and they've also given up a lot of points to Duke, um, UNC. The Really, the only team that they haven't given up a lot of points to is uh, Clemson. Um, they actually gave up more points to Kennesaw State than they did Clemson, so you know, take that for what you will. Um, <laughs> Man, Clemson in the mud. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I really would love to sit down and talk about Clemson one day because I really want to figure out what the heck is wrong with that team. You know, there, I feel like there's so many contributing factors, but it's really just kind of hard to pinpoint one thing. They just haven't looked right at all. This Imagine year. how their fans are. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, from what they're used to, I would be in shambles as a Clemson fan. Absolutely <laughs> shambles. I'm, um, but one thing about this team is they do blitz um, quite a bit. Uh, so that's one thing that the offensive line has gonna, is going to have to look out for. Um, they're, they do have a pretty decent uh, linebacker group with Quest Jackson and Charlie Thomas. Those are kind of the two guys that really stand out from that defense, and they've had a couple sacks and, and turnovers on the year as well. Um, but they do have a very weak secondary. Um, I'm expecting Brendan to have a pretty big day, um, especially with the offensive line that we have. I think they will be doing, doing a pretty solid job of picking up blocks, um, especially when um, you know Georgia Tech is in blitz packages and – you know, I'm expecting uh, expecting big things from from the offense this week. Yeah, i i would I would definitely agree with you on that. I think that there's no reason the offense shouldn't have a big day. Um, if you look at like the ACC leading tacklers, you see Quez Jackson near the top for Georgia Tech. But one thing I always think about seeing your team having someone as a leading tackler is not always a good sign. I look back to UVA's days when they were, you know, two and ten, and seeing Quinn Blanding and Micah Kaiser like far and away, running <laughs> running away with the, 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 the school records every week. And yeah. and, uh, <laughs> so I would say that's a statistic to take with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, but yeah, I definitely would look for the offense to have a big day um, for sure through the air, but even through the ground, I think there will be some opportunities this weekend. Yeah, and that's hence why I said those were like the two guys that really kind of stand out on this defense because there really isn't a whole lot to talk about in regards to their performance this year. Yeah. Hey, Um, one other thing I actually did uh, just read about here a second ago was it does look like Georgia Tech is banged up on the offensive line, and they're really worried about their depth on the offensive line. So I'm hoping that means we can get after the quarterback a little bit more. I think we've started to see the blitzes pick up over the past – three or four weeks since the Miami game, most likely. I think it was probably the first time it really started to get going. So I would love to see that continue. And, you know, I think uh, hopefully we can kind of bully them and have our way and be able to contain Jeff Sims within the, the pocket like we did with Cunningham for most of that game. 
For sure, for sure. That's going to be something that I'm going to – we'll touch on in our first key to victory, actually. Jumping ahead, um, sorry. As, uh, so, as far as uh, – before we before we jump over to that, one last thing. Uh, the kicking kicking game, another another non-threat from this team. Uh, the kicker hasn't made uh, anything from 40-plus uh, yards. So, maybe we'll have ourselves another missed kick in this game. You know, the, the strong special teams defense will live on. Yeah. Hey. Uh, Beamer ball, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Let's no. We're just gonna call it. We're just gonna call it Mendenhall ball. That's what. That's what. Bronco ball. ball. Brumfield ball. Bronco ball. Brumfield yeah, ball. There we go. Brumfield ball. ball. I like it. <laughs> oh man. But uh, jumping over to the keys to victory. Um. So first thing uh, that I had was uh, control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, like you mentioned, Georgia Tech's offensive line. Uh, is very subpar has been subpar um you know for a majority of the season and on top of that they're uh they're they're battling injuries i think a lot of these guys are concerned about depth and one thing that uh nick howell even touched on in uh, his interview this week that he wants to put a lot of pressure on them early and uh really make sure that they're containing putting emphasis on containing sims in the pocket um and you know i think they i think it's really, it's, I think they really are able to execute this well, just considering of what we did against Malik Cunningham. I was pretty impressed with the way that we contained him and limiting his rushing yards. Um, so what I think he only had probably 60 some yards on the game um, for, you know, when he's probably at, he probably has majority of the time over a hundred. Um, so as far as that goes, uh, I think I think our front seven can really have a big day, and especially if they're mixing up different uh, blitz packages and coverages, I think uh, it could cause a lot of a lot of issues and, and assignments for that for a very inexperienced uh, Georgia Tech offensive line. Um, and then also uh, Georgia Tech loves to blitz often, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so you know, as long as the offensive line holds his blocks um, and gives Brennan time to throw the football, I think uh, our receivers are going to shred this Georgia Tech secondary. Yeah, we yeah. can make them pay. For sure. Go ahead, Sean. I was going to say, um, looking at our O-line, um, Chris Glazer we missed in the second half of last week's game with some migraine issues, but all indications are looking good that he'll be back for this weekend. They did feature him in the uniform reveal video, so I feel like that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> and then Bobby Haskins uh, coming off ACC Offensive Lineman of the Week honors. Um, I believe he was graded out at like 90-some percent. So. Oh, well. Um, yeah. definitely he's been falling. He has been. And that was even, you know, it's hard to evaluate the offensive line, but even, even me, um, as an average Joe watching the game, I kept thinking, man, it seems like Haskins is really doing a good job out there. And then sure enough, got named ACC offense lineman of the week. So I look for our offense line to build on those strong performances. For sure. um, and then, yeah, with the defensive line, uh, I think they could also build on their strong performances. They looked good last week. Uh, Famui was back there a lot. Um, Mandy Lonzo would be a nice uh, game for West Weeks to have his first career sack. I'd love to see that. They've been sending him to the quarterback a lot since he's been getting playing time. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely, I definitely agree. Absolutely. Hunter, you want you want to touch on on the uh, next point? Yeah, let me get my notes out. <laughs> Not prepared. Come on, man. Get I'm about to get here. fired. Sean's going to come on full sorry, time. Sorry, everybody. Hunter Sean did not come prepared to the, to the <laughs> podcast today. We're sorry about the technical difficulties. Well, I will be, I'll be fair to myself, and I probably could have guessed the next one because I think we've copied and pasted this key to victory for every single game. <laughs> <laughs> Offense has to start fast, you know? No, but for real, I think that's hugely important. And, it, and against a team like this that – you know, has had struggles consistently scoring. Um, you know, same thing went for, for Duke, too, was let's get out ahead of them early. I think a huge part of the success of Duke's game plan, much like – or, sorry, Georgia Tech's game plan, much like Duke, is having the ability to have a balanced attack, you know, running and throwing. But if you put them in a situation where they're forced to throw the ball, they're just nowhere near as dangerous. And I feel like, you know, if we can get up a couple scores early, take the will out of that team – you know, make them start thinking about next week already. Um, I feel like we should have a, you know, a really good chance to, you know, kind of get a pretty comfortable win. Um, but, you know, the longer that we let them hang around, of course, the more they're going to believe that they, you know, have the chance to to win the game. And, you know, that's the last thing we want. And that that's kind of how the 2019 game went, if I remember correctly, was we actually let them get the lead. We kind of had to come back, take the lead. And then they never really, like, 
put the game away. It never felt fully comfortable. Um, you know, it felt like all the way to the end of that game that they could possibly score a touchdown and win. So, um, you know, I think we kind of need to continue our, our trend from last week and you know, sort of bury them early. Don't give them any hope and, uh, and try to extend the lead as soon as possible. For sure. For sure. Sean, you want to go on the next one? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, win the turnover battle. Um, would definitely agree with this one. Um, so, yeah, uh, Brennan did make a few questionable throws against Duke that could have been picked off. There were a few where maybe it being a wet day kind of avoided an interception here or there. Um, and then looking at our defense, what we did against Duke, that was obviously something we really did well was taking the ball away. Um, so really would love to see our guys continue to be opportunistic, um, being more aggressive on defense, especially in the secondary. Um, so, yeah, win the turnover battle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think one thing, too, is uh, I think it, I think a lot of it had to do with, a, with it being, like, a very wet day on the field. But uh, we had, like, four fumbles in that game uh, against Duke. Uh, so maybe do a little bit better job of trying to hang on to the football. But, you know, it's also going to be a dry day. So I think we'll, we'll count that as uh, it rains. So Yeah, you know, one, but, thing I'd, one thing I'd mention there is the fact that we were – I mean, there were a couple that we were quote unquote lucky to recover. I mean, there's this whole like metric out there called turnover luck that we would probably be grading out really, really high on turnover luck right now in the sense that, you know, we recovered all of our fumbles in the last game, except for that one. Um, But several of them, I remember like Dontavian Wicks was like going to the ground and like the ball just kind of squirted out and he was already in the process of like falling to the ground and able to easily recover. Like my point being, they weren't egregious turnover. You know, they weren't turnover-worthy fumbles, a lot of them. I mean, one of them literally was Brennan throwing the ball, and the ball slipped out of his hands and went straight up in the air. I mean, yeah. like, I watched it, it back last night. It was actually really comical to watch. Um, it looked like me trying to throw a football right now. Uh, <laughs> so, but, I mean, like, you know, stuff like that's just not going to happen when it's dry, you know? For sure, for sure. Just, it had me a little bit worried about some of the throws that – that Brennan was making and I'm, and it's like into like double coverage. I'm like, what are you doing? And, you know, I think one, I think one of them, especially like could have easily been a pick six if the guy just caught the football. Um, so, you know, I think Brennan got bailed out a couple of times, but you know, and you know, we can nitpick all we want, but I mean, let's be honest, this guy's just been a superstar this year. Mm-hmm. So um, lastly, uh, you know, I feel like, I feel like we're kind of beating, you know, same kind of stuff that we did against when we were playing Duke. But, you know, I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the same, you know, points really apply here. Don't don't play down to competition. This is, I mean, this is a Georgia Tech team that um, that literally like almost lost to Duke. Um, so if our performance against Duke is any indicator of what we should be able to do to this Georgia Tech team, um, I think it should be a pretty easy walk in the park. Um, especially getting ready to uh, go into a very important game against uh, BYU out in Utah. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we'll come out hot, come out with, uh, you know, a sense of momentum and, and drive to really put this game away, make a statement, especially in what's probably going to be the biggest crowd that we've had all year. Um, so, you know, what's an easy, easiest way for, uh, to bring fans back that maybe haven't been there all year, play, play really well, you know, put together a performance like you did against Duke and, uh, you know, show this, show these fans that, uh, you are a legit football team. And that, you know, we're, we've kind of moved on from the game, from the likes of uh, games of UNC and Wake Forest. Um, so anybody else, you guys have anything you want to, uh, else you want to add for the Georgia Tech game? No, I think the crowd could definitely play a factor. Um, you know, I want to encourage people to come out as much as possible. And I know that's our next point. So I'll kind of segue it for you is, yeah. you know, Hey, let's get back to these night games where we are rocking out 50 K plus people. I mean, this team, I mean, I, I, I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but I'll keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. Like, this team deserves better in terms of attendance. I'm tired of excuses. I sat out there cold, wet, rainy, and I was screaming my head off for the Who's in a section that's a freaking library every single <laughs> every single weekend. <laughs> um, so, you know, if I can do that, I know that, you know, y'all can step up and come out for, for one game on a, on a Saturday night that's perfect weather. Um, against a team that's very beatable that, you know, you can have a good time with. So, um, you know, I know we have been given out some tickets for the game, given the promotion that they were running, uh, the $15 tickets and the 
you know, the upper deck sections. So uh, I, I think we both gave out, you know, two sets of tickets. Um, I actually got mine out last night. I didn't even get to tell you that. Um, nice. But, uh, and then I've seen, you know, what, six, six other accounts on Twitter, I think I saw, that are yeah, I mean, doing the same everybody's thing. Everybody's really chipping in to try and get people to the stadium. And I think it's really just a testament into, uh, into what this, you know, what this program means to so many people. And, you know, understanding that, you know, they do deserve better and that, you know, obviously, obviously it's hard for some people to get to the game. And, you know, we understand that. And so that's why it's you know cool to take opportunities like these to maybe help somebody out, you know, get them some tickets to go to go to a game that they might not have gotten to go to all year. Um, so I think it's pretty cool what the fan base has done and how they've kind of rallied behind um, of wanting to pack Scott Stadium. I, I checked the seating chart. Uh, today and you know you could definitely tell there was a uh, a decrease in the number of tickets available still obviously the, you know you'll have your your typical ones that are available at the top of the end of the end zone um but as far as you know the lower bowl goes i'm pretty sure that's sold out um from what from what i could tell and then the uh the upper bowl is definitely becoming slim as well so i think we definitely have a lot of um a big a big chance for you know a good crowd to come together this weekend and and man, it would be it would be awesome to you know see see people really rowdy and um, and excited to uh, to be a part of that of that game. You know, which should be like hundreds of it should be a lot of fun. So obviously, I'm looking forward to getting back into Fontaine and doing some tailgating. Oh, so yeah. it feels like it's been forever since you know we've done a good throw down there. <laughs> yeah. So I was just say we're we're doing our part. I'm bringing four guys, bought you know three extra tickets in our section, and then bought the two tickets for people. Um, on Twitter. So, you know, hope, hope everyone that, that, you know, got a ticket from us has a great time. Um, and I, I, I really do think that, you know, I, I'm seeing more momentum and it's improving. And I think hopefully this is a catalyst for the rest of the season, because I think that's how I've always noticed like UVA fan attendance goes for football is like, it's a slow moving process, but once it gets, you know, once that machine gets rolling, you know, people do a pretty good job of coming out and, you know, getting tickets for the next game before they even leave the stadium. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm optimistic, but, um, you know, I just want to see it for these guys on the field because I really do think they deserve it. Exactly. Exactly. And and for the fans that are in the stands, like a couple, couple things. You don't have to be quiet on every single down except for third down. You're allowed to cheer on other downs as well. You know, when, when we have the ball, that does not mean get louder. You, you stay quiet so they can hear each other. You know, a couple of just, you know, nice little typical things, you know, pay attention to cues of make noise and don't make noise, like stuff like that. You know, I think we have a tennis, a hard time to, uh, you know, recognize that at times. Still um, learning. And also, uh, don't like, I, I swear I see people sometimes that like sit on their phone and type emails in the middle of the football game. I'm like, if you're going to be there, like at least interact with the football game. Like, it's just completely unnecessary. Subtweet of the people that sit in front of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not listening to this. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they don't listen to this podcast. So I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so obviously, we're really excited for, uh, for Georgia Tech. Um, but. You know, we are recording this on a Thursday evening, and uh, something big is happening tonight, fellas. I just kind of want to get y'all's predictions on this, and uh, you know, something that has obviously been talked about a lot <laughs> leading up to this. Um, the the the, the uh, commitment date was finally decided uh, for Zach Rice, um, the one of the top offensive tackles in the country, um, one of the top recruits in the nation. Um, he's narrowed UVA down to his final five. And he's making his commitment tonight. I kind of want to get y'all's predictions, what your insight is. And, uh, you know, obviously he has given no sort of, you know, idea of where he's going. Um, nobody knows, I think, at this point. It's just all guessing. Um, so, Hunter, I'll start with you. Kind of what are your what are your thoughts? Where do you think uh, – do you think he'll end up in, in orange and blue? Well, you know, uh, signs are pointing to uh, offensive. I'm just kidding. I'm quoting Doug Dowdy here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I have no idea, and I know this is a non-answer, but um, if I had to, you know, if I had to pick, since I know which way Sean is going to lean, I'm going to try to put on my optimistic pants and say, uh, you know, he's going to come join an elite class of uh of linemen that are coming to uva over the next couple of years gonna join uh join up with some future nfl brethren and eugene monroe brandon albert to ferguson 
Um, and, you know, this is going to be the next generation of UVA being O-line U. So it starts here with, uh, with Zach Rice staying home. I hope you're right. I certainly hope you're right. Sean? I love what it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so first off, just have to give a shout-out to Coach 2J. Um, he has done an incredible job recruiting. I think each of the past few years, it feels like our best, or if not our best, one of our best commitments has come on the O-line. Um, have Andrew Gentry to look forward to coming off of his mission. Believe he'll enroll next year. Uh, Logan Taylor, the Canadian who is at Episcopal up in Northern Virginia. Um, Noah Josie from Tennessee, who's already seen a few. Well, um, so we've we've got a lot. Brody of guys Meadows, I think, four-star yeah. guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brody Meadows coming in next year um, yeah. from out in, in Bluefield. So uh, definitely, Coach Two J, and I, I can definitely see why he seems like just a, a player's coach. Seems like really energetic, enthusiastic. So I can see why he's such an attractive coach in the recruiting process. Um, also, I know today is his birthday, which kind of led to some maybe sense of optimism with those that are trying to predict this decision that, hey, you know, what a cool birthday present that would be to commit on your O-line coach's birthday. And, man, I really hope that's true. Um, like, I mean, you, know, you really – I mean, Sean, you really think about that. You you can't tell me – I mean, the, the relationship that Zach and Coach 2J have – you cannot tell me that he did not know that it was to, that it was this man's birthday today. I'm sure he I'm sure he does know, and I'm hoping that that's a good sign. As far as a prediction, um, so yeah, it's the top five of UVA, UNC, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Um, despite it being a top five, it it feels like it's a top two. It feels like it's either UNC. Of course, I say that he's probably going to go to Alabama. But uh, no, it definitely... I can see this man picking Notre Dame. I can just see it now. <laughs> but it it definitely feels like a a two man or a two team battle between UVA and UNC, and I do really feel like it's close to a fifty fifty toss up. But long winded answer here. But I'll say if like you know gun to the face and I had to make a prediction, I would probably say UNC. Um, but I hope I am wrong in that, and I definitely think UVA has close to a 50-50 chance here. For sure, for sure. Uh, I've been sitting on this a lot, and I've been thinking quite a bit about, you know, what this decision might be. And, you know, there are obviously many contributing factors that have had, had that have kind of led me one way or the other. Um, you know, I think Ohio State, and I, want, and I think Alabama is honestly out of the question. I really don't think that he's going to go to either one of those programs. I think Notre Dame is a dark horse in this that I don't think anybody's really considering. I mean, the talent that Notre Dame consistently puts out on the on the front on the offensive line um, is pretty impressive. Uh, so I think that's something to really look out for is that he could put on that uh, that green, blue, and gold uh, hat, you know, for his commitment. But um, I, I think I do, I do actually think that he will stay close to home. Uh, I, I am going to stay optimistic on this just for the sure fact that it is coach 2J's birthday today. I think that, I think that he has a lot of, I think, I think Zach has a lot of respect for that man. And I can't help but think that he's doing this for a reason. And I feel like with it being his birthday, I mean, what, what more could you ask for as a, from a birthday present than getting literally the highest rated recruit Virginia has seen in a long time. You know, so yeah. I'm going to I'm going to stay optimistic with Hunter and go Virginia. But, you know, I like I could also see UNC as well because they've recruited him very hard. And it seems like Zach has a lot of respect for Mac Brown as well. Yeah. While we're speculating, obviously, there is like just one fact of everything that we just said. And it is like the relationship that he has with 2J is like unbelievably good. And I, I know Sean already touched on it, but I just want to piggyback. Like, I am really impressed with 2J, and I'm yeah. just so happy for him that, you know, this this is one of those things, like, yeah, even if we don't get this guy, like, that's going to stink. But the fact we were, like, this close is really impressive to me and not even something that we saw, you know, earlier in Broncos' tenure or really, like, much at all in Mike London's time. I know we had a couple five stars, but they were sort of random. Um, yeah. This one just feels like, you know, 
the closest we've gotten to winning a really, really intense recruiting battle where we had to sell a program that's just frankly very different from the other four that are on that page. So kudos to him, kudos to Bronco, and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, we'll hope for the best. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So I guess we will see. We'll find out shortly after we're done recording here. Um, but so last thing that we want to get to, uh, final game predictions for uh, for Georgia Tech. Hunter, what was our uh, what, were, what were our predictions at the beginning of the season for this game? Yeah, so looking back at the beginning of the season, Austin, you had predicted 42 to 28 UVA victory. Um, and then I myself had predicted a 31 to 17 victory. Sean, I'm not sure if you uh, tracked your score predictions. I feel like you did. Yeah, I, I may have. I think I did it in an Excel sheet somewhere. I'd have to go back and look, but that's really funny hearing your two scores because I was ready to give mine now, and I was going to say 38-24, and that's kind of <laughs> right in between what you all said and the same, same margin of victory, but I'm going to say 38-24. Nice. We'll let you uh, explain all your reasoning first if you want. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so I'll say 38-24. I feel like um, – I feel like it should be a relatively comfortable victory um, as long as we meet those keys to victory that we described earlier, in particular, the don't play down to competition one. Um, I was at the last home game in 2019 against these guys, and I know it's 33-28. And that was a year where we were really good that year. That was, you know, the year we made it to the Orange Bowl. And Georgia Tech was – you know, I think that was their first year under Jeff Collins. They were, you know, just starting to transition away from the triple option. So really the game being that close, I think, was the sign of playing down to the competition. And I'm hopeful that we don't see that again this year. But um, I don't think we will. I think we'll see something along the lines of a two-touchdown win. Um, 38-24 would put it at a fairly high-scoring game, but nothing too crazy. But I do expect that our offense should have a pretty solid day. Um, and 24, I think, would be a, a realistic uh, good goal for our defense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. You're right there at the, uh, the over-under number, I think, is 62-ish. So I think that's – you're right on the dot. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to – I think I'm actually going to change mine up just a, a tad. Um, I, I think we do score 42 points. Um, but I'm going to lower uh, Georgia Tech's scoring um, just based off of what we did to Duke last week. I think this defense is riding a lot of momentum. So I'm going to go 42-17 on this. I, I think that the defense shows up once again, and they're going to get a lot of energy from the stadium as well. So I think they're going to be able to feed off of that and really, really have a stellar day. Yeah, I like that line of thought. And um, I know I've been a, a mending almost every score prediction that I've made to to up the count on the other team's scoring output. And I actually want to give a testament to UVA's defense improving um, pretty drastically week over week, um, you know, the past three or four weeks. So I'm going to keep uh, Georgia Tech at 17 myself, and then I'm just going to up us to 35. So I like a 35 to 17 win um, where the defense is dominant again. Um, I really want to see them – you know, carry that over to another week against another ACC opponent. For sure. I feel like the offense, you know, should easily be able to hit the 35-point mark. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think regardless, I think we all feel pretty confident about uh, how this game's going to go. And, you know, hopefully hopefully it'll go in our favor and we can have another uh, another happy week of Virginia football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Would be nice to uh, lock bowl eligibility up this week and be sitting pretty at 6-2, and two knowing that we have a, a tough slate to end the year. So it would be nice to just kind of check that box off now rather than later. And 100%. I know this is a team we expect to play in a bowl game, um, but it, it would just be nice to to get, get, that, get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. You don't want that hanging over your head going into Pittsburgh uh, mid-November. So For sure. I agree For sure. with that. Definitely. Well, uh, guys, as always, it was a pleasure. Um, you know, glad we could – you know, do another, do another week of this, you know, very, very grateful for that. And, 
you know, looking forward to hopefully, uh, you know, Hunter, I know we'll be spending a lot of time up in Charlottesville on Saturday. Sean, hoping that you'll be able to join us there. Um, but that being said, uh, you guys have a fantastic week. Everybody, we hope that you enjoy the rest of your week as well. Get to Scott Stadium. Enjoy your tailgating. You know, eat lots of food, drink lots of beer or whatever it is that you drink. And, uh, you know, cheer, cheer on your who's hard. So, guys, as always, it was a good time. Have a good one and go who's. Go who's. Go who's.